0: What's up, everybody? Thank you again for tuning in. And if this is your first time listening, or maybe you just haven't gotten around to it yet, do me a quick favor, click the subscribe button and leave a review if you can too. Let me know where you're listening from. My guest today is one of the top Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the world. Uh, He's from Fresno, California, and he's the current Submission Underground absolute world champ. Um, he's defended that title twice and he's got a big match on Sunday against a former Olympic gold medalist from Japan named Ishii Satoshi. Um, so make sure you tune into that. If you listen to this in time and check out all of what my guest is up to, he's awesome. He's also an action athlete. Give it up for Mason Fowler. But before we enjoy the episode, a quick shout out from that sponsor, Action. Do me a favor, go to drinkaction.com, check out the specialty coffee, check out the new apparel that's going to be dropping on the website. There's a new hat coming. There's a new uh, long sleeve shirt coming. There's some new stuff coming as far as products. And there was some new stuff that was just recently added. So if you're into MCTs, fuel, if you're into hemp and turmeric and things that are helpful for anti-inflammation, check out active. Or if you're just a coffee freak, there's all kinds of deals on coffee and it's amazing coffee. It's sourced from Guatemala. It's craft roasted in Austin, Texas, and it's shipped to your doorstep upon your order. You can sign up for a subscription. It'll get you 20% off. If not, use code word curious, 15% off drinkaction.com. Enjoy the episode.
1: Yeah, it's a lot different because most of the time at the tournaments, you just get in shape and show up and just kind of do your game. You're, you're not really... Uh, focusing so much on what the other person's good at but uh for submission underground each individual person you train specifically for them and you train like a specific game plan for them Mm -hmm. has that been
0: i mean i i came across you because of sug and you know you've had like your name in the spotlight now pretty much for the last year and a half because of the big wins over craig and you know, Vinny being the legend that he is in the sport, and you really dominated that performance. I mean, has this been a a big change for you? And has it changed how you've approached jujitsu and the path you want to take? Or are you still kind of head down doing your thing and just enjoying
1: this while it lasts? Yeah, um, it it hasn't changed much. Uh, Everything's still the same, except um, I I don't have to teach anymore. I can kind of just live off of the the win money and, and the sponsorships. So um, that's good. I get a little, little bit more time to rest and relax. I'm not at the gym, like teaching kids class every day. Um, so that's the only aspect of my life that it's changed, but the goals really are still the same. My, my number one goal. Um, for the past year, two years has been just to win ADCC. So that's, that's still the, the big goal. Um, submission underground is just giving me a chance to kind of have something to train for because ADCC is every two years. And, uh, a lot of the, tur- most of the tournaments are all canceled. Um, I don't know when they're going to start doing tournaments in California again. So submission underground has been a, a great way to stay active because you're, you always train a little bit harder <clears throat> when you're preparing for something, right? So it's given me the opportunity to stay active and keep competing that way i'm not getting rusty that way i'm not like being lazy um not putting too much weight on you know because i want to kind of keep my weight down so so that i can uh move the same um and then also financially too it's helped a lot financially submission underground pays really really well so um just being able to compete with them almost every month has really helped me out financially so that i can um, be a little bit more comfortable
0: i bet Has it been, I know you're in California and the regulations are just absolutely over the top, but I mean, how much has that affected you, if any, in your ability to keep yourself kind of in tip top shape and training with a lot of different people?
1: Yeah. Even at the start, I would say the start of the quarantine back in March, um, there's a little bit of hindrance on my training, uh, just because I had went back home because our gym was closed. Um, so there wasn't really a reason for me to stay there in San Jose. My family and my girlfriend are back in in Fresno. It's about two and a half hours away. So I went back home for probably like the first two weeks of the shutdown and I was training back home, but I wasn't definitely not training as hard. And, and then, I mean, that only lasted two weeks. After two weeks of that, I realized like, okay, I can't use this as an excuse to be lazy. So I ended up getting a group of pretty high level guys together to train with um, in San Jose. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like driving back and forth. So I was doing like three or four days in San Jose and then going back doing like three or four days in Fresno. And I did that for four or five weeks and then eventually back to San Jose full time. Um, But it, besides those first two weeks i I honestly feel like i'm even maybe getting better training because the real guys like the real competitors they're they're all finding a way to train anyways so all the best guys you know we're still getting together and training hard and if anything it's like we have to make it count and um i don't know i feel like we're all a lot more driven because it's like like this could be taken from us at any time, you know, we're kind of we're, we're sneaking and doing it, uh, doing it kind of low key. So we all were like putting a lot more effort in mm-hmm. to make sure that it was quality training, you know?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, yeah, I think you, when you appreciate things a little bit more, uh, maybe you get a little bit more focused around stuff like that. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. We like appreciate it a little more. And then, uh, man, I just feel like everyone's been really motivated too. Even my other teammates that weren't competing that much during the quarantine. Um, I mean, we're like a family. So if if I'm competing, it's like we're all competing. So the guys are always there.
0: Looking into your background, you had some amateur fights. You fought twice as a pro, and then you transitioned and kind of started to really focus more on jujitsu, which tends to be the opposite, right? You see guys who really get a big start in jujitsu, build that base, head into the MMA game and try to utilize that skill. Do you, I guess, what was that change about? How, How has that benefited you? Do you feel like that's been a benefit? Like as you've been able to have a singular focus outside of MMA, obviously the time for something like that is really important, but what's that,
1: what was that change all about? Was it injury related or? Yeah, I was having problems um, actually with concussions. I had, I had a concussion that I didn't get knocked out. um, I didn't get dropped. It was just like after a normal training day, like a normal sparring day, I, I like went home and I started seeing all these like flashes of lights. I had like a really bad migraine. And then after that, I couldn't train. I couldn't do anything for, for a long time like like 5 6 months i i wasn't i mean i couldn't even run i couldn't like lift weight i would get dizzy if i like tried to run or do anything and that like really scared me because i had like quit my job and i didn't i didn't go to college i had nothing to fall back on right so i'm this kid i'm this like 22 23 year old kid with like no work experience no skills and i had put everything into mma Um, And then what, during that time period, I was just thinking like, man, I'm kind of on the rise right now. And this is like all getting taken from me. What, like, what am I going to do if I can't ever train again? I always wanted to get my black belt and always in my mind, I was thinking because you can't fight forever. Right. So I was always thinking after I'm done fighting, I want to open up either like an MMA school or maybe just like a jujitsu school, but you need to have your black belt. Right. So that was like the biggest thing. I had so much anxiety. Like, what if I can't train anymore? What if I'm like this forever and I can't train anymore? How am I going to get a black belt? Right. You have to train to get a black belt. Um, and then I'm going to have nothing to, I'm going to have to go back to work uh, stocking sodas on, on the shelf at, at supermarkets. And I didn't want to go back to doing that. So I just kind of had to have that talk with myself and, it was really hard at the time, especially. Anyone knows when you're when you're on like a fight team, or even like if you're on like a jujitsu team. When when you tell all your like teammates that you aren't gonna fight anymore, like all those guys, that's like your whole social circle, right? So everyone there was like my best friends, and I had to kind of walk away from that. And uh, a couple months later. I started doing, like, jiu-jitsu tournaments. Once I could start training again, I finally, like, started to get better. Found that camaraderie again. Yeah, and then I kind of, tra- it, it wasn't, like, my plan. I wasn't thinking in my head, like, I'm going to stop doing MMA and become, like, famous in jiu-jitsu or whatever, or be a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Um, I just, like, had stopped fighting, and then I was like, oh, well, I can still compete in jiu-jitsu. Like, I'll try to do these tournaments, like, oh, the pans is coming up, like, I'll try to do that, like, whatever. And then it just ended up working out. I ended up winning a lot of tournaments and um, eventually got to the point where um, I was invited to go to Kyle's gym and join like a real jiu-jitsu team. So it all worked out in the end, right? Yeah, no, I was going to ask you
0: about that. I mean, his style, how, how much is that style and that change accelerated your growth as a practitioner?
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, really, when I got there, I started teaching uh, the fundamentals, I I, I would teach like one fundamentals class uh, a week. And at Kyle's gym, the fundamentals isn't just like the teachers can show up and you just teach any like basic position you want. There's like a curriculum, there's a set curriculum. Mm -hmm. And then every day, like every class has a set subject on the curriculum that you have to teach that day right so Mm -hmm. on my day i would have to like wake up early go to like the online training study the technique write everything down and then go to the gym and teach it and that i think was like the single biggest thing that helped me because kyle's curriculum his fundamentals curriculum has so many concepts on like really small details of techniques like really small things uh Maybe it's like a certain frame or um, a certain way to move your body, right? A certain way to escape your hips. And so all those little concepts I learned from the fundamentals by teaching them. And then it made me really understand them. And then I was able to add all those concepts into all the areas of my game, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, all the one-on-one time I get with Kyle is amazing. And he shows me a lot of good stuff too. But I think that that was like the single best thing that's happened Um, Because all those small concepts in the curriculum, I was forced to learn and ingrain into my technique. And uh, I remember reading something that Bernardo Faria put out. Um, I don't know if it was a book or something he put in a post. But he was talking about when he first changed to, I think think he changed from BTT to Marcelo's Gym uh, Alliance. And he was talking about the first, I think, like six months that he was there he went to all the fundamentals classes and he kind of like made himself relearn jiu-jitsu. Um, so yeah, I kind of applied the same concept. I think that was like the single best thing that, that helped me really. It's the fundamentals.
0: Do you have a grappling background like in high school or anything like that?
1: I played rugby, which it's kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of grappling that goes on in rugby. So and then i used to you know what me and my friend when i was in high school like me and my friends would all like always be like going to parties and getting drunk and like wrestling each other and we there's like a video of me when i'm like i think 16 or 17 like wrestling some college dudes at a party and like choking one of them with a guillotine we just want we watched we had no training so it wasn't like we were like dick jujitsu guys that were choking people right yeah we had zero training we just like watched the ufc's and then we would learn like the technique from watching UFC.
0: There's nothing better. I think back to so many times in college where there'd just be a circle of people and two guys that thought they knew how to, to grapple. They saw like Matt Hughes on television and now they're like uh, an expert in grappling. That's so fucking great,
1: man. I wish I had all those matches recorded. Cause I probably did like 20 of these matches and I had some highlight reels. <laughs> I was doing hip tosses and it'd be like a perfect stuff.
0: promo video now. Yes, it would be perfect. Well, that's awesome. So you're up in in Northern California, um, born and raised, lived there your whole
1: life. Uh, Fresno. I was born and raised in Fresno, okay. and then um, when I was when I was looking at, so what happened? The team I was training at there, it was an MMA gym, mm-hmm. but uh, but we had a really good Brazilian guy named Gabriel that came down, um, actually one of Bernardo Faria's early training partners. Is this thrive? Uh, um Thrive was the gym I first started at. I was there for 2 or 3 years and then I had left that gym to go to another MMA gym, um Co- Josh Koscheck's gym. Oh, okay. Yeah, so his gym uh is in Fresno as well. Um so I did my amateur fights with Thrive and then before I went pro, I ended up leaving that team just to get better. I mean, you had like Koscheck was still fighting yeah. and then there was a bunch of other like pro guys that were pretty good. Josh We is had from- like maybe Oh go ahead. He's from like Pennsylvania, but yeah. um he had he had his gym in Fresno. I think they had the falling out at AKA, right? He had a falling out there, and then he started like his own AKA in Fresno. Mm-hmm. Um and then it ended up they changed the name to Dethrone. Yeah, like he's the, from my like
0: the neck view. of the woods here in PA and then he Pennsylvania. In- yeah, yeah. And he Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. 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 He was
1: like the, so, the big thing from where I grew up yeah and then we and then he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu also and then we had another guy chris honeycutt there i don't know if you heard of him he wrestled edinburgh yeah we had him there we had john salter there uh john salter he's fighting bellator right now he's gonna fight musasi probably for the title next Mm -hmm. really good black belt he won the adcc trials too one year um so it was just better guys so i had ended up going there and then um had the injury, and then at the same time I had the injury. They flew in this new like jujitsu coach. So as I was transitioning, I got a lot of one-on-one time with this new coach. He was a referee under IBJJF, so getting all he like became one of my best friends too. So like getting all the one-on-one time with him, I finally started to understand the rule. Because when you're an MMA fighter and you go compete at IBJJF, you don't understand any of the rules, the advantages, the points, anything. Um, so started to get the rules down. Once I like learned the rules, I finally was able to be a little bit more strategic um, and then had some success with him. And then he ended up uh, taking off to go open his own gym in Florida. So then I was kind of stranded in Fresno, right? Yeah. Um, so then Kyle's was, for me, it was I needed to go to a big team and that was like the closest to home because it's only two and a half hours away. Um, and then there's really good training there. Kyle's obviously a legend. Um, so it just made sense. That was the obvious first choice for me.
0: Yeah, you know, and I hear people and early on, like when I first started really getting into grappling, if I was to watch a match, not understanding the rule sets, you want to see someone strangle someone out or I'd be like, oh, this guy's stalling. But as you start to understand the rules and the strategy behind it, you know, I think this, I really appreciate the way that you go about you know, really mapping out. It seems, at least from where I'm sitting, it looks like you've really mapped out how you're going to win. You set to a, a strategy, and you really stick with that. And you leverage a lot of your strengths. You know how to get to those strengths, and then when the time is right, you seem to capitalize flawlessly.
1: Yeah, it would be like if if, if you see if you're watching a football game and one of the teams is up zero, I mean the the casual person's gonna be screaming at the tv like throw it score again but the the football fans know like no they're gonna run out the clock they're gonna run out of bounds they're gonna use their timeouts yeah. you know what i'm saying it's strategy it's like any any sport even mma the casuals it's always like he's just holding him gsp is a good example there's a lot of guys out there that you know they fought smart and you know they had long successful careers I enjoy it a lot, and I
0: I think all the new formats and the way that these different promotions are providing a platform and generating a lot of excitement. I know I do a lot of stu- stuff with Rumble Johnson as well. He's got a grappling match coming up. It's uh it's interesting. I mean, what are your thought? You hear all this stuff with Ben Askren and uh, Jake Paul. I mean, would you ever do something like that? Go mix it up with a YouTuber?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. That's probably I've like. All, all my friends, a lot of people always ask me if I'll fight again because um, now my grappling is really good. I have decent wrestling too, which most jujitsu guys don't have very good wrestling, and that's why they don't have success in MMA. You know, the successful guys um, in MMA, you see, are the guy, the jujitsu guys that learn wrestling because then they can put the guy down and then use their jujitsu, right? So I have decent wrestling, and then obviously my jiu-jitsu is pretty good, um, but I, I really used to have like really, really good stand-up too. I used to train a lot of stand-up. Um and it sucks because I do know like I really think deep down that I can be successful in the sport if I decided to transition back. Um but I just don't I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. You know what I mean? I don't think uh fighting in the UFC for me like fighting in the UFC and getting all like the fame and the money uh isn't worth it if I'm a vegetable by the time I'm 40, right? So I want to live a, a long, healthy life and uh, as healthy as possible, and be happy. And brain injuries, man, it's just it's not it's not fun. It turns everything upside down. Yeah, you don't get it. You don't get it back.
0: You know. Yeah, you, you don't get it back. Take these, take some risks, man. And it's like, oh, as a fan, I love watching a guy bite down on his mouth guard and just start swinging, but. I've seen, especially now with the no crowd there too, it's just so much more so much more brutal. Gets, oh yeah. And there's yeah. been a, there's been a couple of them where I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know
1: if I can watch that
0: again. You know, that was yeah. tough.
1: Ferguson, Ferguson, Gaethje. Yeah. That one was rough. Um, but to answer your question, I would do like a one-off, right? Because uh, risk versus reward, probably not going to have long-term damage from one, even if I did, jake paul and get knocked out somehow um that one knockout probably wouldn't ruin the rest of my life right most people would recover from that but if it w- if it was a one-off type of thing where it was decent money and uh and like a big name obviously someone like jake paul or logan paul they're they're they have a little bit of boxing training um i trained for six years you know so if i trained for six months i think i'd get right back to where i was so if it was someone like that, that has a little bit of experience and a lot of fame, and it would bring in a lot of money, then I would, I would take it in a heartbeat. Um, but that's different than like trying to get into the UFC and just fighting these young killers. Like you're going to take some damage before you even get there. Then once you get there, every fight's going to be damaged. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I took a stab at it like 10 years ago, I had an amateur fight and uh, I fought a fight got changed with like six days left because the dude i was fighting failed his hepatitis test and so oh, I'm like yeah just <laughs> typical trash you know what i mean yeah i was so gung-ho on making sure that i did it that i i took the next guy in line he was a wrestler and just totally out of my league i went in there thinking i'm gonna like drop bombs on someone and i got taken down and guillotine and ended up with a dislocated jaw very first time oh, in, front of, in front of friends and family it was a very traumatic humbling. experience oh yeah, yeah man it
1: was humbling is all hell but you know yeah, that's the fight game though and you never know like that guy might have been out the whole time and they were like ready to throw this young guy to to come smash you and you're like the dumb young fighter that's like okay i'll do it yeah it's just a fight game man it's a dirty game Yeah. No,
0: I, I, it's hindsight, man is so 2020 I've seen things and I'm just like, Oh, if I would have only known, but yeah, you know, you live and you learn and it was a fun experience in a way. It made me realize that I needed to train jujitsu
1: for sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: So man, what's uh, I know ADCCs are coming up. Um, You've got this big match against an Olympic gold medalist. In SUG. I mean, what else is on the radar outside of all of that for you?
1: Um, it really depends what the world starts looking like uh when things start opening up. Usually January is the ibjjf Europeans in the gi mm-hmm. Um, but who knows if I mean I know the restrictions right now in Europe are pretty bad too. So yeah. We we kind of just have to wait and see. I mean, SUG, SUG is happening consistently. Um, it's one of the only things that's going on consistently right now. The money's good. It's good exposure. So I'm going to just try to keep riding that wave as long as I can. Um, Anything could happen, especially with the rule set, you know, with guys starting on the arm in the back, you never, you never know, like really anyone can win. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to keep grinding and uh, try to make sure I don't lose that title because there's big money that comes with that title and uh, just keep riding that wave. That's the plan for now keep riding the sub wave and then whenever the abcc comes back start training for that
0: yeah still have dreams of a, a school someday
1: absolutely yeah and that's the other thing with submission underground is now i've been able to put away enough money where i'll be able to open like a really sick academy i have a decent amount saved up and that, i'm not going to touch that and i'm just going to keep kind of adding to that over time and that's just like my gym money so that when the day comes that I decide that it's time to start focusing more on making money and not on competing, I, I have everything ready. I'm not going to have to take out a loan and then I'll be able to start my own business and then kind of transition on to the next stage of uh, being, you know, a business owner and not a full-time athlete. So couple, definitely a couple more years. I I want to, I really want to win ADCC. I think I have a shot to do it. So that's the goal—is to to win ADCC, and then after that, maybe start focusing on making money and setting up my my future. Yeah. Who's the big competition? So like Craig, Craig is the guy that I lost to. Okay. Um, and that match, there was a moment where where I scored two points on him. It, it's zero zero. It's really hard to score in ADCC. So most of the matches either. In submission or zero-zero. It's rare that you see points. Um, so I scored two on him, which is extremely hard to do. And there was like maybe two or three minutes left. Um, but they didn't give me the two points for whatever reason. I didn't get this the points. And then like the last 30 sec 30 seconds maybe of the match, um I shot in and he choked me. Right. And he, he was the number one seed in the bracket. And uh, he ended up taking second. So I had a really good showing and he's came out. Um, he's such a, like, he's really a good dude. He came out and talked about it and said like, yeah, he definitely should have got two points. The match might have ended differently if he got the points. Right. So I, I don't want to like sit and complain about it. it. It already happened. It's the past now, but yeah. Yeah. Um, He's, you know, he's one of the top guys and I had a really good performance against him in the last ADCC. And then um, the guy that won the bracket is Mateus Denise. He beat Craig in the final. So those are the two guys really, those are probably the two toughest guys that are going to be in the bracket next year It's probably Craig and Mateus.
0: Do you th- think that you have a psychological advantage if you were to go up against Craig again, just for the fact that the last two times, or does that not p- because it's different rule sets, different setup it, that it, it plays different, doesn't really make an a, doesn't really impact that at all?
1: Or, I don't know. Everyone's different. Some guys, yeah. Um, Some guys, some guys No. You can also say that because I was like, whatever, like the number 13 seed in the bracket last time, right? you can also say maybe he was taking me lightly and i caught him by surprise so i had the element of surprise on my hands before and now this time he knows that i'm game and he knows that i'm like a tough dude and he's going to come in like laser sharp focused you could like think of it that way too or you could think of it as like i got the wins on him over sug and i have a mental advantage that might be the case too only he knows um, or maybe he doesn't know maybe it's deep down and you know, we'll find out the day of the tournament. Um, but I, I, I'm definitely not going to count on that. I'm going to come in the same as I did the first time. I know he's dangerous. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Our, our match at ADCC was like one of the most exciting matches, I think. It was like fireworks.
0: I feel like so. I watched it a while ago, but now I'm I want to go back because I don't remember it the way you just explained it, and I don't think that you're wrong in
1: what you said. So I'm like... <laughs> I'm trying to like think yeah go go rewatch it, it. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a sequence when i like clearly we had a crazy scramble um i came up on top and didn't didn't get the points um it is what it is you know uh the head the head uh, organizer of adcc messaged me and told me that it was clearly two points he doesn't know what happened
0: I remember reading some stuff that Craig had put that you had mentioned to how he had said like, yeah, he, he definitely should have gotten those. I remember reading that. I just think back. I don't know if I ever even saw that match.
1: Yeah. You can rewatch it with no bias and you, you should see the two points. I try to take myself out of it. And it's like a clear, it's like a clear two points, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not mad about it anymore. Um, you could say the same, my first, you know, my first sug match with him, the ref stopped it. And a lot of people thought it shouldn't have been stopped. So it goes both ways. Like sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. So you have to just get back to the gym, get back to training and uh, get ready for the next one. You can't sit and think too much about those ones. I guess
0: it's, it's probably sweet though, to, to go and and win the second time decisively in a, in a similar fashion. So
1: yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: But I do appreciate you hopping on and all the support for action as well, too. Um, 2020 has been kind of a screw year. We wanted to have a lot more things going on. We've been just trying to like keep ourselves alive until, uh, we can get back to how we wanted to do things, but any way that we can continue to support you, we certainly want to. And, uh, you know, looking forward to, to watching you continue your journey and, uh, Good luck man on uh, everything that you're doing.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate too um having the ability to represent the brand too. It means a lot to me. So Yeah. for that. And it's going to be cool because uh, I'm on the same card too that Rumble's on.
0: So oh, you have right. both of
1: us, Yeah, you're going to have both of us on the same wow. card, so it'd be like a cool little marketing for for action as well.
0: He's a good dude. I don't know if you, have you ever met him before.
1: I haven't met him no, but I'm sure that's the cool thing too. I'll get to meet all these guys like Cowboy's going to be on there
0: and Rumble
1: Johnson, Fabricio Verdoom, and a lot of, a lot of cool guys are going to be on the card. So
0: what's Cowboy doing on that card?
1: Yeah. Cowboys has a match with, uh, Rafael dos Anjos. No shit. Yeah. Then, and then, uh, Rumble has a match with, uh, Fabricio Verdum.
0: Yeah. I saw that. I didn't realize that Cowboy was on there.
1: Yeah. So it's crazy.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Rumble's a good guy. You'll you'll have fun with him for sure. But uh, thank you again. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck, man.
1: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.